that's what that's energy allocation. You didn't read the book carefully enough. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm acting really surprised, but I actually did read that because I. Hey, everybody, this is Nikki Tambrino, also known as One Classy Mother Runner on Instagram. And you're listening to the Maybe Running Will Help podcast, the show that explores the why of running for people who love to run. Today, I'm inviting you to listen in to my conversation with Harvard professor Daniel E. Lieberman. He's the man when it comes to how and why the human body looks and functions the way it does. He's most well known for his interest in how evolutionary approaches to activities such as walking and running, as well as changes to our body's environments, can help better prevent and treat musculoskeletal diseases. Listen in to learn how running works for us, why it's so hard to get started, and what benefits it has on our community. We also discuss super shoes, the Boston Marathon, and what not to say to new runners. I'm so honored to share them with you. After the episode, don't forget to like, follow, and review the show and help us grow so I can continue to bring you content that will help you run inspired. Let's get started. All right, guys. I am so excited about our guest today. He is the wicked smart Dr. Lieberman. He is an evolutionary biologist and Harvard professor. This is the closest I'll ever come to attending this prestigious school, and I'm extremely honored to have the opportunity to grill him for an hour. He's well known by many runners for his 2004 paper on Born to Run and association with barefoot running. I found myself completely fascinated by his latest book, Exercise, annoying my family for the past two days while cramming for the interview by reading the book and frequently expressing my wonderment out loud. By the way, I mean no offense with my lack of preparation skills. Cramming is a habit that is likely to blame for my limited college options out of high school. Anyway, welcome to the podcast, Dr. D. What should I call you? How about Dan? I love it. All right. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I love that you're from Boston because, of course, the Boston Marathon, and that's like the best race ever. And I also love that you're from Harvard because, like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in the presence of like greatness already. <laughs> um, <laughs> pleasure, but you shouldn't be so impressed by that. I am. I, oh my gosh, you have no idea. Um, but I always start the podcast with an icebreaker. And I'm really excited to do it with you because I feel like it's going to be super, super fun. So this is uh, this or that. I basically give you two options and you pick this or that. Okay. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Are you a, first of all, are you a crammer or a planner? Planner. Ah, yep. See, I knew that's where I went wrong. All right. Uh, would you rather run naked or in a snowsuit? Um, gosh, well, I've done both. Um, oh, wow. So, um, it depends on the environment. Okay. Well, I might need to know more, a little bit more about these two stories, actually, right off. <laughs> well, I mean, who hasn't run naked? Come on, everybody's run naked, right? Uh, nah, I, actually, I have never. Let's see. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Actually, I like both, but coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. That's fair. Okay uh beaches or snow snow really yeah okay. all right run in shoes that are too big or too small mm, god <laughs> i'm guessing too big but 
Neither sounds attractive. Cats or dogs? Oh, dogs. Dogs. All right. <laughs> TV shows or movies? Movies. Uh, horror or comedy? Oh, comedy for sure. All right. This is the last one. We're going to get to serious stuff, I swear. All right. Uh, would you rather ask for permission or ask for forgiveness? Well, yeah, I'd rather ask for permission. Yeah. Okay. Dude, we are, this is going to be great because I feel like we have like all the opposite answers. So this is going to be super, super interesting. <laughs> this is great. I'm so excited. How has running become such a, I guess, big topic of interest in your studies? Well, it's kind of a long story, but um, um, I, um, I've always sort of enjoyed running. Um, I was never really a serious runner for most of my life, but um, I, uh, I got really interested in running from an academic perspective um, uh, when I was interested in, in the issue of head stabilization. So I, for much of my career, I was a head guy, right? I actually wrote a book, Evolution of the Human Head. Um, uh, and uh, one of the chapters in that book was on, on, on how, what role the head plays in locomotion. And um, I was curious about the problem of of how humans uh, keep our head still. So if you think about most animals, right, they're they're quadrupeds, right? So their neck comes out the back of their head, and so when they run, they basically flex and extend their necks and their heads on their necks, and they keep their head still. But humans are like pogo sticks, right? We have a little tiny neck that comes out of the middle of the bottom of our skull, and so when we run, we can't do that. And um, and if you watch somebody like with a ponytail running, I can't tell if you have a ponytail, but uh, short, uh, you don't. But if you watch somebody with a ponytail running, right, if you're like behind somebody with a ponytail, you'll see that the ponytail is going up and down and side to side, right? It's, and the ponytail is acting like an accelerometer. It's telling you the forces that are acting on the head. And yet, despite all those up and down and side to side and front to back forces, the head stays pretty still. And so I was kind of curious about that. And so I started... Um, looking in the literature and working on it. And, and long story short, but uh, with my colleague, Dennis Bramble, who I wrote the Born to Run paper with, we started thinking about how uh, there's this interesting structure that evolved in humans that's not present in apes, but also is present in other creatures that run like dogs and, and whatever that called the nuchal ligament. And we started studying how the nuchal ligament functions and how it's kind of cool actually, but it's like this little kind of rubber band in the midline of the back of your head. And it attaches to a muscle that attaches to your arm. When you hit the ground and you're pumping your arms and your arm falls down because of acceleration your head wants to pitch forward because of acceleration the mass of your arm is connected to the mass of your head by that muscle and through that ligament and it leaves a trace on the skull and so we had kind of an aha moment that 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 because you, you see this appears around two million years ago because um, you can see its traces in the fossil record and so we had this kind of aha moment that humans evolved and there's no other explanation for this feature that that humans evolved mm distances, you know, by at least 2 million years ago. And that led to us really thinking about the evolution of human running. And we ended up writing that, that paper that was on the cover of Nature entitled Born to Run, which, well, you know, has kind of led to a lot of research on the evolution of running. Yeah. And then uh, also barefoot running, which was the end. Well, that was like the obvious next step, right? Because okay. if humans evolved to run, and we've been running for millions of years, obviously, for most of that, we ran barefoot, just like, you know, when my dog goes running, she runs barefoot too, right? Barefoot is normal. And and so I started getting interested in like, you know, well, what? how did people run before shoes? And um, so we started, initially we started, and I've been working in Kenya for years, right? Because I'm a yeah. 
about the human evolution and of course in Kenya you see tons of barefoot people all over the place many of them running right so you know so we we started studying barefoot runners in the United States and we also studied barefoot runners in Kenya and and um, you know the obvious uh, first thing to observe is is that when people run barefoot they rarely land on their heel it hurts right right uh, that's not you don't need a Harvard professor to tell you that but, but what's what was also really interesting was to, to work out the biomechanics of how and why that works, right? So when you land on the ball of your foot, why is it does why why is it so much less of an impact than when you land on the on the heel? And so, uh, and so that um, you know again, it was an evolutionary approach, and of course that that is has relevance to to running injuries and all kinds of other debates. Do you run barefoot? Um, sometimes you know for a while I did a lot of barefoot running, especially um, when I started studying it, right? So um when i first when we first started doing research on it i guess it was about 2005 and i had gone to kenya and i came back and i just um i was just sort of thinking about all these people i'd seen running barefoot and i just took my shoes off one morning um just because i wanted to try it i'm, I'm a very ex experiential guy i like to try what i study yeah and um and i uh, just you know i ran like a half a mile home on a, on, on a, one of the streets here in cambridge um, and uh, to my astonishment, um, it was just, you know, it felt great um, and uh, didn't hurt in the slightest. And so, you know, that kind of fed my curiosity. And, and um, but also I kind of started doing it just because it, it's fun. You know, it's fun to take your shoes off and walk yeah. the beach barefoot. And it turns out it feels pretty good when you're, when, you, when you're running. Now you have to develop calluses though. So if you don't, so it takes a few weeks, you know, for your calluses to thicken up, but unless you're, like a weird, really weird person, you know, you'll get calluses and, um, and then it's kind of fine actually. And so, um, uh, I don't know. So I did it for a while and, um, and then, um, you know, of course never in the winter, cause it's, this is not a great place to run in the winter when it's you're no. icy and snow, <laughs> whatever. And so, you know, I had this kind of thing where I would, you know, in the spring I'd start taking my shoes off and, and I'd put them back on in the fall. And, you know, usually after the Boston marathon is when I'd start running barefoot and then, okay. Um, but you know, I'm, the last few years, I don't know, the mood hasn't caught me and I, I mostly run in minimal shoes. And what do you think about the, like Nike, the super shoes and all that? Do you, do you <laughs> what's your opinion on them? Well, I mean, gosh, I mean, obviously they're, they're really interesting from biomechanically, you know, and how and why they, they help people uh, run faster, um, and more economically, well, they help people run more economically and hence run faster. But, um, um, so that's they're kind of interesting in that regard. I, as a as a as a runner, I I take a I'm not really all that happy about them because because it's not really very fair, right? I and mean, think about how expensive they are. Yeah, right. They wear right. out rapidly. They give you and and you know the, the shoes that you know the elite you know runners for Nike and whatever are getting are not available to you and me. And mm -hmm. so um, so I, I mean, how is that different from doping? Oh yeah, right, right. No, that's. And also it takes away, it takes away, I think some of the, you know, the kind of, I mean, one of the things that's so beautiful and wonderful about running is just, it's just you, it's like you and your body and the world around you. Right. And, right. Uh, and, and, and how well you run is really about how well you train and how well you use your body. Now, all of a sudden you're adding a piece of technology and that's, that's really substantially different from any of the other technology that's out there. Right. And it's, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a, it's an aid, right? And 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 it just takes the the I think the sort of simple 
beautiful magic out of out of running. I mean, think about like when um, you know Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile, right? He did it on his lunch break with with two friends in medical school. Um, yeah, he got himself some, I think shoes made out of was it alligator skin or shark? I can't some kind of you know animal skin. He had lightweight shoes. Okay, but that was about it, right? Um, and now you got like when Elliot Kipchoge, who's you know a spectacular runner, no 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 criticism of him, but right. he, when he did that sub two minute mile in Vienna, you know he had what he had like 20, 30 people pacing him and ran behind a special car that was you know shielding him on a super specialized course that had no wind resistance and you know, <laughs> like where's the magic in that? Right? right, it was a spectacular achievement. I mean, I can only. I, I can't I can't I don't even dream about running that fast it's so beyond my capability but but what what's where's the beauty in that right and having a giant multi-billion dollar corporation help you achieve this I mean on the one hand it's really cool but on the other hand it's a bit of an insult to to the basic sort of simplicity of the sport that's such an interesting thought like I've never really thought about it like that but I completely see where you're coming from it's so true so in with that in mind, like what inspires you? Like what kind of runners inspire you? Just the average everyday people. I mean, I've never studied elite runners. I'm not interested in them really. I mean, okay. it's, you know, often when I run, you know, I run, I like to run marathons. And, you know, when I run like, like the Boston Marathon, for example, I don't bother even, you know, people always tell me who won, but I'm, I'm usually completely uninterested actually. Um, okay. uh, I'm interested in all the lovely people out there who are just having a great time doing 26.2 miles for whatever cause they're running for and all the wonderful fans. I mean, that's, you know, I think that's the beauty of running is that, you know, you don't, sure, their races are exciting and it's fun to think about the world's fastest runners, but I care more about the average everyday person and how they're enjoying themselves and, and avoiding injury. And I'm just not interested in elite running, really. And that's what's kind of awesome about your book. I feel like it's written for us like normal runners and people that don't necessarily, I mean, you know, like you talk about in your book, exercise is not something we're like <laughs> born to like love, um, but it's something that is very important for us to do. Um, and I, I really <laughs> like how you illustrate that in your book. So it just kind of just is like, there's no judgment on it, um, which I think is helpful for people who, you know, want to start exercising because I think a lot of people are intimidated by the running community. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a bit like the way, you know, young, young kids today are, are intimidated and made to feel, you know, dysmorphia based on, on, on models, right? You, know, you get this idea that, you know, a, 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 you know, it's like, that's a, a normal kind of beauty. What like, you know, a supermodel is, right. it is it's a perverted, strange form of, 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 of beauty. And, and I think that uh, when we commercialize and industrialize elite sports, kids think of growing up and think that, you know, that, that that's like what running is about. And again, there's nothing wrong with elite runners. I mean, it's great. It's cool that, that people can approach two minute, two hour marathons and, you know, run, you know, you know run, run a mile under four minutes. I mean, all power to them. That's great. I'm not, not opposed to it, right. but, but let's not use that as a, I think sometimes it can have a negative effect on people because they think, oh my God, I could never do that. Um, and um, I mean, I think even marathons do that. I mean, a lot of a marathon is kind of a crazy distance. I mean, I like doing it, but let's be honest, the vast majority of people are, are 
think running a marathon is crazy and they're right it yeah. is it's not a normal distance it's it's really you know a half marathon really is probably what most people should do <laughs> I, I think whenever i do a half marathon i think why don't we do this more often right it's much more pleasant rights than the marathon um it doesn't beat you up you don't have to train as hard it's crazy the marathon but and i, I think it's a very off-putting to a lot of people right um on the other hand i mean i do enjoy doing it because the challenge of doing it is very rewarding but um but um but we kind of over we make people think if they don't run marathons somehow they're not running right and, right and and that's really um that has a pernicious consequence right because the vast majority of people are are don't like they, they want to be more physically active but they struggle to do it and a lot of people really don't like running and they and you know they see these folks with the 26.2 bumper stickers and you know whatever and and it's kind of in your face and um and you know I, you know i talk in the book about exorcists people who nag and who nag people and brag about their about their physical activity and let's be honest nobody likes exorcists except maybe other exorcists you know people who talk about well you know at mile 17 i did you know we've all had these conversations if you're a runner but 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 we need to be really careful to realize that they're really off-putting to the rest of the world and they don't really help people overcome the inertia of of or their their, their kind of the kind of complicated feelings they have about trying to be more physically active yeah and uh i think another point that i got out of the book or something that i either read or watched um in my research was um i think you had talked about the problem with focusing on exercise for weight loss Do yeah you remember talking a little bit about that and can you explain your kind of your thoughts on that i mean i think it's along the lines of what we were just talking about well, I mean, it's a topic of major interest to me, which is that, um, you know, I think so much of what, you know, first of all, the whole weight loss industry and the conversations that people have around weight loss are, are often really um, perverted, right? Um, now, there are a lot of people out there who want to lose weight and, and, and we should do everything we can to help them, but it's really hard to lose weight. And, and, um, and, and if you really want to lose weight, you're more effective, it's more effective to do it through dieting than exercise. Um, uh, that's just that's what the evidence shows but but physical activity not just exercise but just physical activity in general and it's important to keep a distinction between the two but physical activity is really important in terms of helping prevent weight gain and also preventing weight regain after you've lost it so so weight loss is not so much you know, exercise is not really such a key factor in terms of weight loss although you can lose weight exercising it's just you won't do it as fast and you won't do it as much exercising and you need reasonably high doses, um, but 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 because of the importance of exercise for preventing weight gain and weight regain, and also because of all the other benefits for of exercise, it shouldn't be an either or thing. It should be an an and thing, right? So people mm -hmm. are, are are and and then the other thing is that what's really more important is to help people live a healthy life, right? What matters more is 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 um is you know living a healthy life, I and mean, that helps to to lead to weight gain in terms of a healthy diet and 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 healthy physical activity then 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 that's great but uh, but 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 if you make weight loss the absolute focus of everything you're just going to make people uh miserable and unhappy and and it's going to lead to false expectations we're best much better off promoting healthy habits and if they will lead to weight loss that's great but if they don't you're at least still prom promoting health Face it guys, shaker bottles suck. Your protein shakes always come out clumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. 
That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a BlendJet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking the whole house up. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, there's a BlendJet 2 to complement just about any style. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code MRWH12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Well, I would love if you talk a little bit more about the benefits of, you know, exercise, running that don't have to do with weight loss. Like, why is it so important, you know, in terms of, I mean, this is what you're well, about. But. We could talk for hours on this topic. Oh, I know, I know, I know. The problem is that the thing about exercise, or let's just call it physical activity. because Physical, yeah, physical activity. Exercise yeah. is just a kind of physical activity. Exercise is discretionary physical activity for the sake of health and fitness, right? Right. And until recently, nobody exercised. People were just physically active. Right, right. So, right. so physical activity is healthy, and exercise, because it's a kind of physical activity, is healthy. But yeah, yeah. But it's there's probably not a single system in the body that's not affected by physical activity. It affects your metabolism. It affects, you know, your brain and your your nervous system. It affects obviously, you know, muscles and bones and you know nothing. Reproductive system, sleep, you name it. And, um, and the reason for that, well, there's two main reasons. So one is that um, it affects your energy balance, right? So when you're, when you're physically active, you're, you're using energy and our, and our bodies, you're going through what's called negative energy balance. You're, you're using energy and you're, you're spending it, right? And that, um, and that has effects on, on, on weight and metabolism and, and, and you know, um, you know not, not devoting that excess energy towards, towards either excess energy devoted towards reproduction which is a kind of complicated but interesting topic that's one of the that's why like breast cancer for example the physical activity is by far the best way to prevent cancer breast cancer it has 30 to 40 percent reductions in breast cancer rates for people who exercise just 150 minutes a week and the fact that people don't know that is 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 tragic right uh, just moderate level there's like nothing that you can do to, to prevent many kinds of cancers more effectively than physical activity why why? Because when you when you don't spend that energy on physical activity, your body thinks, "Oh, I've got extra energy," and it devotes it towards towards reproduction. Right? That's that's what that's energy allocation. You didn't read the book carefully enough. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm acting really surprised, but I actually did read that because I hope Dan. Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I point is that we evolved to be to 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 have babies. Right? The only thing that natural selection cares about is how many babies you have who survive and reproduce. It doesn't care, natural selection doesn't care if we're happy, if we're nice, you know, well-adjusted. It just cares about how many offspring you have to survive and reproduce. So when you have extra, and, and reproduction costs energy. And until recently, energy was limited. So if you didn't spend that energy on, on physical activity, your body plows it into, into reproduction. And in women, that means higher levels of estrogen and progesterone, which increase fecundity, but, but also increase the risk of, of cancer. Right, so most most breast cancers are progesterone or estrogen receptor sensitive, and so so just women who who less, you know exercise like just run twenty kilometers a week, for example, a famous experiment done here 
by a colleague of mine here at Harvard, just women who run 20 kilometers a week, that's not a lot of energy. It's like spending 180 calories a day on, on physical activity, had 50% lower rates of progesterone and estrogen during the, the part of the, the menstrual cycle when those hormones go up, right? And it's not that they're no longer able to reproduce, they're able to re reproduce just fine. What really means is that women who are physically inactive, their estrogen and progesterone levels are shooting up above normal levels. And of course, that that's because that's what the body wants to do, right? That's what evolution, get extra energy, plow it to reproduction. But the, but the trade-off is that those, those hormones also increase your risk of cancer. And so exercise basically normalizes those hormones to what, what we evolved to handle. So that's one benefit of exercise is, 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 is the way it shunts energy. But the other big benefit of exercise is stressful. I mean, when you exercise, you produce all these things called reactive oxygen species, these highly active molecules that basically cause, cause basically rusting or burning throughout your body that damages everything you can imagine in your body. When you exercise, you create little cracks in your bone and you tear apart your muscles and you, and you have you know, metabolites, waste products and tissues throughout your body and, and your temperature goes up. And you know, I could go on and on and on about all the things that happen when you exercise. But of course, because when we evolved to be physically active, every single one of those, those kinds of damage uh, activates repair and maintenance mechanisms. And because we never evolved not to be physically active, because nobody ever was in the past was able to sit around and, on a chair all day long and not, not, not raise their heart rate occasionally, we never evolved to turn on those mechanisms in the absence of physical activity. So, 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 so physical activity basically turns on the repair and maintenance mechanisms that don't otherwise get turned on to the same extent. And that keeps our bodies humming along and slows the rate at which we, we senesce. And so while most people focus on lifespan, they look at, everybody wants to know how much longer runners live, right? But what yeah. they really be looking at is health span. How much longer are runners healthier than, than non-runners? Or it doesn't have to be runners, obviously, but it can be anybody <laughs> be physically active. And the answer is a huge amount. So there are tons and tons of studies. My favorite one is the Stanford Runner Study by, um, uh, by a guy named um, 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 uh, Freeze out in, in, at Stanford. And he looked at a large number of Jim Freeze. He looked at a large number of, 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 of runners. They were just like average runners. They weren't elite runners and compared them to healthy controls, followed them for 25 years. And sure enough, the runners had a lower death rate, considerably lower death rate after 25 years. So they're living longer. But just as importantly, their, 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 were also, their disability scores, their health was like, was like, like 50% different from the, from the, from the, from the non-runners. They had disability scores that were half those of the non-runners, which translates into bodies that are about 14 years younger. So their quality of life was better of while course. they were alive. So, I mean, that's awesome. And that I did, um, that was one of the things that I was like, oh, we got to talk about running makes you live longer. Because um, also for your, like, for mental, um, right? Yeah. For the, your yeah. mental, yeah. Nothing, nothing, nothing comes even remotely close to exercise for preventing dementia, including Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's rates for people who are physically active are like 30 to 40% lower. Find me a pill or a food or anything that comes even close to that. You can't, it doesn't exist. Uh, um, uh, you know, it's, those of us who are in this business sound like broken records, you know, cancer, heart disease, uh, Alzheimer's, you know, et cetera. All of, these, all of these diseases are substantially lowered by, by large factors, by, by staying physically active. Uh, even COVID, uh, people who were physically active had 2.5 yeah. times lower death rates than people who were, who were sedentary. I mean, because it, it affects your immune system. There's 
there's really nothing uh, out there that isn't benefited from physical activity. And yet, for some reason, we live in this bizarre world where where we we, we you know we try to we try to treat the symptoms of people's diseases rather than prevent them. And preventing them is is, is you know is physical activity and physical activity and diet. That's what matters. And the thing is, is that to your point, where people, I mean, when you think of when we think of exercise, when I think of exercise that's not what I'm thinking about or physical activity, whatever um, you want to call it. I'm not thinking about um, all of those health benefits, like the cancer and the, you know, improving the quality of life because of what we're fed. Like all I'm thinking about is weight loss. And so to your point, like there should be more focus on what you're saying. Um, and which is why obviously you're so passionate about what you do. Like, I don't, I mean, I can, I now feel very passionate, more passionate about what you do with that information. You know what I mean? Like that's just, it's so important for people to know that rather than, I mean, people, I feel like that's more motivating than, okay, we'll do it to, to lose weight because society is telling you that you need to lose weight. Oh, it's the, the focus on weight is, is, is odious. I yeah. Mean, no other word for it. And, and we have to just stop this, you know, but you know, it's a, it's a look. The problem is that we've medicalized and commercialized everything in our society, and we've medicalized obesity, and we've medicalized exercise, and we've medicalized <laughs> we've medicalized health, right? Yeah. And and um, and you know what? It doesn't. You know, medicine has its place, right? If I get seriously sick, I go see a doctor, right? Um, uh, but but medical medicine is only is really treats the causes of disease. It treats the the, the symptoms. The consequences of disease doesn't prevent disease. Mm -hmm. Doctors around don't don't. There are very few subfields of medicine that are preventive. Most doctors see you only after you get sick. And furthermore, medicine, you know, um, um, can only do so much, right? And so, um, um, so so treating obesity from a purely kind of medical commercial perspective is really um, um, uh, part of the problem. What we need to do is help people prevent obesity. And of course, nothing, you know, exercise is a very important component of that, not the only one, obviously. Um, but also we need to emphasize health. And 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 health is about maintenance and prevention. And and um and it doesn't matter if you're a few pounds heavy, you can still be a healthy person and and have fun. And 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 really the vast majority of people are not motivated to exercise for health anyway. I mean, is there anybody out there who doesn't know that exercise is good for you? I mean. No, of course not. I mean, even like, you know, even flat earthers and people, anti-vaxxers and, you know, whatever, they, even they'll agree that, that exercise is good for you. They know that. The, the problem is that it still doesn't help them exercise, right? Because they're still, because it's not fun for most people. It's not rewarding for most people. And so if we really want to help people, we should emphasize how to make physical activity rewarding and fun, and then the health benefits will come along. Okay, so that's... That's great. So uh, that's another thing um, that you talk about in your book is how to get people to be more physically active. And so one of the things, I mean, I, I'd love if you'd talk about some of the things and some of the tips that you have, but you talked about realistic goals as, as one of your things and not, um, I, I mean, this podcast is all about running, you know, aside from performance and your pace and your experience and stuff like that. So can you talk a little bit about making it more about time and less about performance. 
Well, I mean, I think we all have, look, I mean, since this is part, I mean, every people here listening to this probably have already drunk the Kool-Aid, right? This is not a, this is not a group of people who are trying to decide whether they're going to run, right? Most of the people listening to this probably already like to run. So the audience here already gets it, right? They're, and they already get the, the reward from it, you know, the dopamine hit that comes from running. And, and um, you know, we're all, you know, most of us who do this have a kind of, we have a built-in reward system, right? If we don't do it, we actually feel pretty cruddy. Like, I was working really hard on a paper this morning, actually on exercise, and, and didn't get my run in this morning, and I'm and I'm feeling really crabby today, right? Oh. Um, um, and you know, I'll get it in tomorrow morning, uh, but um, and, and maybe compensate by doing a slightly longer run. But but um, but um, but if you don't have that system already going, it's no fun at all, right? So so I think uh, the real so I'm not worried about the people who already have it figured out how to do this right they've already they're already there i think what we need to worry about is the rest of the world that finds it unpleasant it's a chore and they'll they'll, they'll come up with any excuse they can and, and 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 i think there is some lesson to come from those of us who run because i don't know about you but most mornings when i head out for a run i don't actually want to run when i when i leave the door yeah i have to force myself but i know through experience that um that i will be glad that i did it and I find ways to force myself in other ways, like I sign up for marathons. I have to train. Mm -hmm. I don't. If I don't start training for my next marathon, <laughs> I'm going to have a really, really miserable time. <laughs> need to yeah. put in. I really need to get you know, you know, up my miles and do some speed work, etc. Um, so that's 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 one way I reward myself. Another is that, I, or, or or coerce myself. Another is that I run with friends. So like I'm, a, you know, I'm going to text my my running buddy, you know, later this this evening and we're going to probably meet to run at you know six or seven tomorrow morning and at six or seven i won't really want to meet him i'd rather be in bed with my wife but but you know <laughs> waiting on the corner and if i don't get out there he'll be pissed off and right. vice versa so you know we've kind of forced each other right and and um um and there you know there are all kinds of other ways in which we you know and i you know i put my i don't know about you but i like i always put my running clothes out in the morning so when i get up in the morning to walk the dog, I put on my running clothes. And I don't have, I've, that barrier is gone, right? That's because you're a planner. I'm a planner. <laughs> right. So there are all kinds of ways that we do it, but but if you're if you're overweight or unfit or whatever, and you're having a hard time running, you know, it's not gonna be easy, right? And it's gonna yeah. be extra hard and you're not gonna get the same reward. And, and so if you make it like unpleasant, uh, it's gonna be even less rewarding. So I think the key is not only to find help people find ways to make it necessary, but also to make it rewarding, right? And the, and the and to me, the best way of making anything rewarding is to make it social. Yeah. You know, compare running on a treadmill in a gym, even if you're listening to a, a, a wonderful podcast like this, or a, or you know, <laughs> watching some stupid movie or whatever, versus running with a friend. There's no question. All of us would rather run with a friend, right? Um, right. Unless you're a misanthrope, um, but. Um, <laughs> Um, so, you know, make it social and it doesn't have to be running, you know, how about dancing or going for a walk or playing a game of tennis or whatever it is that you enjoy to do that's that's social and, and, and we just need to find ways to do that. Is running your favorite or I guess least awful option for getting, <laughs> uh, your activity in, I mean, versus dancing or something, which you talk a lot about. Um, yeah, I think running is my favorite. I like to bike. Um, um, 
you know, I enjoy going for walks. I like to hike. Okay. Uh, um, uh, I'm, a, I'm the world's worst swimmer. Um, I will never do a triathlon. Um, I'm basically a dog paddler. So, uh, um, you know, I enjoy playing other things, but but yeah, running running is probably my go-to form of, of, of exercise because it, it's so efficient, you know? You, I mean, I find I cannot get the same workout on a bike. Mm. Right. I mean, do you think any of it's because of your mom's influence that you're, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my mom, you know, when I was a kid, my mother started running to liberate a gym at UConn and she started running. And I just, as a kid, you just started doing what your parents do. And, and she was an amazing influence on me. Absolutely. There's no question about that. I love that. Yeah. Um, and what about the marathon? Like that, is that, that's the distance that you, that you like <laughs> I, or like? Um I enjoy training for them, right? I've done, I've now done 26 of them. Um, wow. So um, it's a challenge, right? And I find every time I do one, I learn something about myself, right? You know, mm -hmm. um, and I, I like the fact that it's a challenge. Um, um, there's, I've never run a marathon where there wasn't a point where it got hard, right? And right. Even when I don't race it, when I just run it and have fun, uh, there's always a point when it gets hard. and. And and this, I find that there's something really rewarding about pushing through that, that no other, um, nothing else that I do uh, provides. Um, you know, if you run a a 5K and you just come, you just kind of cross the finish line in the back of a pack, it's there's you know there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but but nobody's gonna like slip. You know, you know, there's not that same reward of running a marathon, no matter who. Like, even if you're like a, a slow marathoner and you just cross the finish line, you know, at six hours, you still ran a marathon. That's an oh, amazing yeah. thing. It's an incredible achievement, and 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 nobody cares about your time, and and that's 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 something worth celebrating. And um, and you know, it's a, it's about a kind of endurance, and uh, I think that's the reason that millions of people run marathons every year. Most of them don't run it very fast. It's because it's it's a celebration of the human spirit. It's about the it's about the, the human mind, the ability to overcome challenges, and mm. and, and it's something that we have control over, um, to some extent. You can't control the weather, especially the Boston Marathon. But oh God, no. um, but um, but you know, um, it's a that's that's special, and I think that is a reason that the marathon movement has become so popular. Yeah, and I think uh, the the people that are running the five, six hour marathons. I say this all the time. I have the most respect for them. That's hard to be out there for that long. Oh, um, yeah, those are, they're heroes. And they're also charity yeah. runners running, running to raise money for all kinds of wonderful causes. I mean, think about it. The, you know, the world's single biggest charity event, single day charity event is the London Marathon. Oh, yeah. Right. And, you know, there's something about the running community and, and people helping each other. I mean, Anybody who's run a marathon knows that out there on the course, everybody's talking to each other, cheering each other on, patting each other on the back, giving, giving, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful supportive community. And then, then there are all the people's, I mean, like if you run a big city marathon, like, you know, like Boston or New York or whatever, there are like millions of people out there. And then they're, they're not just waiting for the, you know, watching the elite runners, they're waiting for the plotters in the back and the, and the average folks like, like me, and they're out there to high five us and cheer us on. I mean, um, and it's because you're not just running for yourself, you're running for your community, right? And, yeah. and, 
and 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 nothing else is like that in the modern athletic world, right? It's a community-based um, event, and there's a reason city after city has these big marathons. It's not just uh, to bring a few elite runners to zip through the city in a little over two hours. It's because it's because of all the other runners who are who are promoting uh, health and fitness and community and all kinds of other good things. Yeah, and I think Boston does it so well. Like at the whole entire experience of the Boston Marathon is it's just an experience. Like the entire weekend, it's not just about the race; it's about the community the entire weekend. It's so that's so New York and London and Berlin. I mean, the Berlin Marathon is the same. It's like a giant fitness celebration for the whole city, right? Um, 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 you know, big city marathons are celebrations of community, fitness, and sport, and community, and you know. It's a, you know, and, and look, think about it from this perspective, right? Two million years ago, our ancestors ran um, in order to, 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 to feed each other, right? To, to provide food for each other, to help each other. And today, you know, you don't have to run down a kudu to get dinner, but, but we're still running to help each other, um, mm. raising money and, 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 um, and, 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 and promoting fitness and, and so on. And of course, in the Boston Marathon, that's taken on extra meaning since the bombing i mean yeah. anybody who who've run i mean i think the most emotional marathon i ever ran in my life was the year after the bombing 2000 mm -hmm. i mean that was an i mean everybody was crying at the finish line i don't know about you but yeah it was a giant sobbing mass of tired runners but it was a it was a you know it was a it was a rejuvenating experience it was it was absolutely an incredibly emotional experience and you can't help but remember that that year and every year after that like how special the community is and the sport of running is so i think yeah i think you're right it was i mean when uh, I, when I, whenever i get to the end of the boston marathon i'm running down boylston street you know turn right and you're right on hereford and left on boston and you know as you're running down boylston street there are people standing at the exact same spot where those bombs went off and they know where they're at yeah and they're there in spite of that from mm -hmm. you know thousands of, of of people they don't even know um you know why are they doing that right they're doing that for reasons that are deep and intrinsic and fundamental to being a human being and and running brings that out we didn't evolve you know there are other great events I've, I've had the pleasure of seeing the tour de france for example that's pretty darn spectacular but yeah. we didn't evolve to cycle around france right you know and uh, as spectacular as those, those cyclists are it doesn't have the same kind of of impact i think that the marathon does what does a marathon actually do to your body <laughs> breaks it down <laughs> right i mean I've been told, like, are you like slowly dying yeah. every time you run a marathon? Well, it depends on how fast you run it, too. Right? <laughs> you know, um, if you know, it, it is a stress on the body, right? And you're a, especially Boston because it has all the downhill. Just choose your quads up, right? I mean, I mean, I, I, if you run a flat marathon, when I run a flat marathon, I'm pretty much okay the day after. After I run Boston, I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm a little ginger on the stairs. That's when I do. <laughs> Right. Um, uh, but sure, I mean, there's again, physical activity causes stress and that's why it's healthy. Right. Yeah. Um, a marathon is a is a pretty extreme form of stress and it and it unsurprisingly elicits a stronger 
repair and maintenance response. So most people are in a kind of slightly inflamed state for a few days after a marathon. Your heart rate will be high, right? Because your metabolism is revved up as your body is doing all kinds of things to repair you know, tissues throughout your body. And, I, and again, I think we should make, make it clear that, you know, people who run marathons aren't doing it for their health. They're doing it for reasons, other reasons. It's probably not the healthiest thing to do. You don't need to run a marathon for your health. Um, the it's the training for the marathon that's really healthy, actually. Mm. Yes, no, that's a good point. You're and right. At one day of the marathon, okay, that's, you know, it's like, you know, it's probably, you know, you're, you're not gonna kill yourself and you're probably not doing any serious harm, but it's not, I mean, you'd probably have to be kind of crazy to think it's actually really good for you. <laughs> that's so funny, actually. But you're right, it's not, you're not doing it for your health, you're doing it for all those other reasons that we talked about. Um, so in your opinion, what can we do? You know, like you pointed out, like the people listening to this, they probably don't necessarily be need to be motivated to, to exercise or to be active, but how do we, as people that are already motivated, help those who may not be as motivated to, um, to join the community? And, you know, maybe it has to do a little bit, bit with how we talk about running, like you had mentioned, like, you know, when you're like, oh, mile 17, blah, 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 whatever, like, how do we help be more inviting? Well, I think the first thing to do is be compassionate towards people who don't like to exercise and not judge them. Yeah. Um, it's like, I think it's as about as, as, as reprehensible as judging people who are overweight, which we, sh who we shouldn't judge either, right? Very few people who are overweight want to be overweight. And most people who are inactive don't want to be inactive. They're struggling, it's hard, and they don't find it rewarding and they don't find it fun. And I think we need to, to not, um, like look at them like they're aliens and make them feel bad, right? Um, I will never put a 26.2 sticker on my car, right? Don't do that, right? Um, yeah. um, uh, you know, instead, um, you know, be enthusiastic and, and make people real, you know, you know, help people um, make it fun, you know, go for a run with a friend, right? You know, go, go for a short jog and, and chat and divert them, you know? Yeah. If they do it, if you can do that for a few months, they'll get hooked, right? Then, because the, the, the big problem with, of all the problems with being unfit, the biggest one really is that the, the dopamine reward system that, that you and I get to enjoy, or it's also a curse too, but that you and I get to enjoy, that, keeps, that gives us the reward for running and the anticipation of running um, is actually, uh, is blunted if not turned off and people are unfit. Mm. So, so if I go for a five mile run in the morning, I get that nice, wonderful hit that makes me feel good. They go for a five mile run and they don't get that hit, right? It takes a while for them dopamine receptors to be upregulated and for them to, for the parts of the brain that produce dopamine to get, to get upregulated. It takes months for that to happen and, oh. and be patient, right? And it's, so it's not going to happen overnight. And, and, and so helping people get through that several month phase is really the key. Once I didn't realize get, that. Yeah, and so once they get through that, then the rewards, the psychological rewards will start to kick in. Um, That's good to know. I didn't realize that it took a while to build that up. Like, so people need to know that running is not gonna be enjoyable right away. <laughs> no, and, and And not to expect that, because you know, yeah. and we have all this sort of myths about you know, how wonderful it is to run, et cetera. Well, you know, somebody, you know, from, from, from down the hallway who's 
that hates to run and I go for a five mile run, they're not going to feel very good afterwards. <laughs> like you're a liar. Yeah, exactly. So we <laughs> need to be, we need to understand that and be, uh, and be, and help people through that. Um, and also just stop, um, you know, find ways to make it enjoyable and fun. And, and, you know, there are lots of ways to do that. Um, uh, but bragging and nagging is rarely works. As runners, you know how you're like running with people and you just have this like tendency to kind of like spill all of your guts like on a run to somebody like why do you why are we so inclined to like talk to people versus like I will tell people things and I'm like what happens on the trail stays on the trail like you can't like and I don't even know why I'm like like what is that about like what is it about running that makes us just like bear our soul to the people we're running with. I'm not sure if I know the answer, but it's definitely true. I mean, I've yeah. had, you know, you know, people make all kinds of interesting revelations at mile 15 or 20 of a long run. Um, maybe it's because um, it turns out it helps us, you know, turn off our inhibitions. Um, you know, we have, um, you know, producing endogenous cannabinoids and opioids and you know, there's this cocktail of chemicals that are being yeah. serotonin, dopamine. You know, when you're physically active, you're 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 you're. It's like a like a pharmaceutical kind of blizzard going on in your brain that is affecting cognition and 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 mood and and uh, and um, so that could be part of it. And also, let's be honest, it there's a wonderful you know, it's it's this camaraderie, right? When you're out with somebody and running for a long distance, it's fun, and you know, you relax and you start talking to people, and you, you those kind of inhibitions break down, and you know, everybody everybody's an equal, right? You know, yeah. Um, so, so I don't know the answer, but it's certainly true. I've had huh? I've had you know people tell me all kinds of things, and I'm sure I've spoiled spilled all kinds of interesting aspects of my life at, at on log runs. That's why I think also it's one of the best ways to make friends. I mean, some of the best friends that I've made in life are are, are fellow runners. It's because we, because of this. Yeah. Yep. Nope. That. I. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. What you said. I. I, I wondered if there's an aspect to it, aside from what you're saying, because I can see the whole thing where your inhibitions are down. It's almost like, you know, when you're drinking or something, and you're like, oh, I love you, man. Like everybody loves everybody. <laughs> and you're just like so open but if there's a part of it that's like because you're not looking at each other in the eyes you know because that's sometimes like uncomfortable do you what do you think about that is, am i making it up huh never thought about that hmm. but it's true you, yeah when you run with somebody yeah you, you're never looking in their eyes <laughs> right that would be weird usually, but... usually i'm staring at their butt because i'm trying to catch <laughs> maybe that's the key to talking <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. All right. Well, I know you're a busy guy. We have had, I mean, I've loved this conversation. I think we are going to share so much good information, important information. Do you have like anything that you can leave us with? Do you have a mantra or a favorite quote or anything that uh, you want to leave us with? Oh, I don't know. I think one of my favorite quotes is do what you can with what you have, where you are, you know? And That's a good one. And, um, uh, and uh, you know, and try to have fun. I mean, God, there's no point in doing it if you don't enjoy yourself.
Yep. Uh, I love it. It's a good point. Do you do you run with a mantra? Is that something that you do when you're running a race? Do you ever? I do, but I'm, I'm that's that's private. Okay. Uh, <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. My wife I, knows it, but that's uh, that's she's the only person I've ever told. Oh, it's like a mystery. I like it. Um, all right, cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed our conversation and I'm really, really um, excited to have the opportunity to talk to you. And I did it. I read your book. I'm so smart now. All right. You didn't read the book carefully enough. And I read on that and I read about your studies on the head with the pig on the treadmill. I <laughs> did read all of that. I'm sorry? thanks for listening to the maybe running will help podcast if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review and now you can also subscribe to hear exclusive content uncut conversations and commercial free episodes released days after they're recorded to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at One Classy Mother Runner. And to keep up with the show, follow Maybe Running Will Help. Keep running, keep inspiring, and keep sharing how Maybe Running Will Help. Have a great run, everybody. Jap, you can't ignore it. I'm transforming now, these cars and planes. I'm always boarding. Just out touring down in Charlotte, like I play for Hornets. When I'm performing, never boring. Now you can't afford it. Champagne, Perrier. Finish friends on my face. Looking like I'm from the deep. These no Cartier's. Pockets deep, 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 bro. I can make it in my seat, bro. Do you and doing me, bro. Making noise, use a Overseas then, we gon' go, go, go Whoa, whoa, I press the button and it